excerpt of Sketch of the Mosquito Shore. Pages 338 to pages 355. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Excerpt of Sketch of the Mosquito Shore Purportedly by Captain Thomas Strangeways Actual author, Gregor McGregor The geographical position of this hitherto neglected country, being in the vicinity of some of the richest provinces of Spanish America, at nearly an equal distance between the southern part of the United States on the one hand, and the new Republic of Colombia on the other, being also within a convenient distance of the West India Islands, and close to the British territory in Yucatan, together with the immense variety of exceedingly valuable commercial commodities, which are the natural productions of the soil, present of themselves, even independent of the operations of the planter or cultivator, a rich field for successful commercial industry. It is well known that although the Spanish provinces alluded to are abundantly supplied with the precious metals and with other commodities almost of equal value, such as indigo, cochineal, etc., they are in want of almost every article of British manufacture. And although the recent political changes which have taken place in Guatemala and Mexico may, if completed, lead to a more liberal commercial policy in so far as relates to the introduction of european goods it is not probable that the ancient duties and restrictive regulations will be so completely withdrawn as to admit by the gulf of mexico or spanish ports in the bay of honduras a supply of european goods nearly sufficient for the demand in the interior provinces of mexico and in the rich kingdom of Guatemala. It is therefore evident, through the territory of Poyais, possessing a southwestern boundary, which reaches to within a short distance of the Pacific Ocean, with rivers navigable a considerable way into the interior, and also trading paths leading into the center of the neighboring provinces, that not only the latter kingdom, but also the southeastern provinces of the Mexican Empire must be supplied with the merchandise of Europe. More particularly, whenever the navigation of the Gulf of Mexico shall be interrupted by hostilities between the United States and Spain, or any other power, an event which even at present is perhaps not far distant. The advantages of this trade, even in its present state, are well known and appreciated in the West Indies, and it has been computed that even in the uncivilized state of the country, and independent of the native consumption, manufactured goods to the value of upwards of 50,000 pounds pass annually into the Spanish-American provinces through this territory alone, yielding, under every disadvantageous contingency, a very large profit to the adventurers. And there is no doubt that this trade, protected by a wise and liberal policy on the part of the government of Poyais, may be eried to an extent much beyond any calculation which can at present be formed, and that it will amply remunerate those who may become interested. Notwithstanding, however, 
the great value of this trade and the great length to which it may ultimately be carried, it can only be considered in a secondary point of view when put in present competition with the immense gain which may immediately be derived from the numerous and valuable commercial commodities which are the natural production of the territory itself and which, independent of the labor of the planter or agriculturalist, present an inexhaustible source of prosperity to the intelligent and industrious European, aided as he will readily be by the labor of a faithful, docile, and peaceable native population. For immediate exportation to Europe and the States, and in return for the capital which may be employed, or for the European goods which may be imported for the native trade, or the supply of the settlers, the country abounds in mahogany of the finest description and of every size, and as the good qualities of this useful, durable, and beautiful timber are everywhere becoming better known and appreciated, the consumption, both in Europe and in the States, is rapidly increasing, not only for the purposes to which it has hitherto usually been applied, but also for shipbuilding. And however the heavy duty in Britain may, if not removed or modified, affect the sale of the low qualities, mahogany will always form a leading article of export to Great Britain, as well as to the United States and continental Europe. Dye woods, such as logwood, plastic, Nicaragua wood, yellow sanders, etc., will likewise form not the least valuable part of a general cargo. There are, besides, a great quantity of other exceedingly useful and beautiful woods, such as cedar, Santa Maria, rosewood, zebra wood, lancewood, sumwood, and many others which, as their inestimable quantities, some of them have already been mentioned, become more generally known, will be everywhere eagerly demanded. The medicinal gums and drugs, which are so plentifully dispersed throughout the country, and which can be collected in great quantity at a very small expense, will also form no inconsiderable part of the exports. Amongst these are the balsam capivi, dragon's blood, gum copal, gum anime, caoutchouc, or gum elastic, and many others. Sarsaparilla, the consumption of which, as a medicine, is rapidly increasing over all Europe, may also be procured in great quantity. And even so long ago as the year 1769, above 200,000 pounds of this valuable drug was in that year exported principally to England, and there is no doubt that that double or perhaps triple that quantity might now be annually collected. Many medicinal barks and woods may also be found in this country and would liberally repay the researches of a good medical botanist. Vegetable oils will likewise, in a very short time, become a considerable part of the exports from this territory. Castor oil, palm oil, and many others could be prepared in great quantity and the experience derived from the success of former settlers or adventurers who made considerable fortunes by the preparation of this commodity, proves that it is one which well deserves attention. Amongst other articles, a quantity of beautiful skins and furs will be procurable by barter or purchase from the natives and the surrounding tribes, such as leopard, tiger, antelope, and other skins besides small peltry. Cow, ox, and horse hides will also ultimately be obtained in sufficient quantity to become worth shipping.
the great variety of timber with which the forests abound affords abundant materials for the manufacturer of pot and pearl ashes, and the immense ridges of pitch pine, which in endless tracts are interspersed all over the country, supply an inexhaustible fund of tar, pitch, turpentine, rosin, etc. The trees being so redundant with these liquors that when put into the deepest rivers, they instantly sink. The expense and trouble of preparing these articles in a country where provisions are abundant and where labor can be had on moderate terms, it is well known to be trifling. Besides, the manufacture of these articles will in some measure be connected with the preparation of lumber for the supply of the British settlements in the West Indies, a most important branch of trade to be hereafter mentioned, and which, with the raising of provisions for the same destination, will no doubt meet with the decided support and encouragement of His Highness, the Cazique of Poyais. Tortoise shell and turtle will always form another exceedingly valuable article of export, and it will no doubt be the policy of the government of Poyais to protect and encourage the turtle fishery on its own shores as much as possible. The hawksbill turtle, from which the shell is procured, is very abundant on the coast, and even so far back as the year formerly mentioned, upwards of 10,000 pounds weight of tortoise shell was sent to the mother country by the British settlers in that year. Now, when a method has been discovered for preserving the flesh of the turtle for exportation to Europe, it has, even independent of the shell, become another article to be added to the list of exports and an additional source of profit to the merchant. Methods will no doubt be discovered to preserve for exportation in a similar manner many of the other luxuries with which this territory is so liberally supplied, and as the quantity of fish on the shores and in the bays, lagoons, and rivers is most abundant, and salt can be produced in any quantity, a very lucrative fishery with a market at a very short distance might unquestionably be established. Oysters of the most delicious quality could be exported to any extent required, and other descriptions of provisions will, it is probable, be in course of a little time be prepared for foreign markets. There are undoubtedly many other very valuable articles of merchandise which, independent of agriculture, are the natural product of the soil, but to notice each of them at length would extend the present chapter beyond the limits assigned. It may, however, be proper to notice that the territory does not exclusively depend upon foreign or inland trade for a supply of the precious metals or for the valuable dyes mentioned at the commencement of this article. There being as has been formerly stated, not only gold mines in the territory, but gold dust is also found in the rivers. Moreover, indigo is an indigenous plant of the same kind as that from which the finest indigo of Guatemala is produced, and the cochineal insect, both as regards food and climate, will doubtless thrive equally well in this country, as in the neighboring provinces where it is produced in such abundance. A nado, or nankeen, and several other dyes are also the produce of this territory, and it has been said that on a part of the coast is found a small shellfish, which affords the true Tyrian dye. Pimento, ginger, guinea pepper, and many other spices are also natural productions of the country, 
and together with fruits such as lemons, oranges, limes, cocoa nuts, tamarinds, and various preserves, will undoubtedly in a short time become very valuable export commodities. The ready supply of the British West India Islands with provisions, lumber, etc., is a matter of such immense importance to Great Britain, and is in every point of view so much conducive to the welfare and prosperity of Poyais that it will undoubtedly meet the particular attention, support, and encouragement of both governments. To the intelligent and industrious European settler in Poyais, it presents an inexhaustible field for his most active exertions. With the certainty of ample and immediate remuneration, for the labor and capital which he may be able to bring forward. To give some idea of the immense amount of the supplies required for the British settlements in the West Indies and the consequent extent of the demand which may be expected for the produce of Poyais, it appears unnecessary to state anything more than the following list of the quantities, provisions, lumber, etc., which were imported into and for the consumption of Jamaica alone for one year. From the 29th day of September, 1815, to the 29th day of September, 1816, agreeable to a general return which has been laid before the Honorable House of Assembly of that island. These supplies consisted of 60,947 barrels of flour, 4,875 barrels, 7,485 bags, and 7,000 198 kegs of bread, 2,942 tierces, 1,740 barrels, and 2,849 bags of rice, 52,190 bushels, 1,578 bags, and 16,043 barrels of corn and meal, 497 barrels and 800 bags of peas, 1,972 hogsheads, 7,109 casks, 3,358 boxes, and 778 quintals of dried fish, 534 tierces, 19,170 barrels, and 991 kegs of pickled fish, 40,204 barrels of herrings, 9,375,943 staves and heading, 10,071,830 shingles, 9,192,775 feet of timber, together with 2,035 horses, 6,211 mules, 501 asses, and 5,675 cattle. This list does not include beef, pork, butter, and other articles, and according to a return made a few years prior to the one above stated, these three necessaries amounted to the great quantity of 97,750 barrels of beef and pork and 64,009 firkins of butter. It must, however, be observed that the last-mentioned supplies were not for the use of Jamaica alone, but for the British West India Islands generally, with the exception, however, of the conquered islands of St. Lucia, Tobago, and Trinidad. The supplies requisite for Jamaica alone being so extensive, it may fairly be calculated that for the consumption of the whole British possessions in the West Indies, together with the British continental colonies of Berbice, Demerara, Esquiba, 
and Balize in Yucatan, two or perhaps three times the amount of provisions furnished to Jamaica in 1816 are necessary, with at least three or four times the quantity of lumber. And these immense supplies are even independent of what is required for the islands and settlements belonging to other powers in that quarter of the globe. Without going farther into this subject, however, it is hoped enough has been said to prove that a market exists in the immediate neighborhood of Poyais, capable of consuming the utmost quantity of lumber and provisions, which can, at least for several years to come, be exported from that territory, and consequently, that instant remuneration is present for such labor and capital, as may be engaged either by the merchant in preparing lumber, or by the agriculturalist in raising provisions, or what is likely to be still more profitable to early settlers from Europe, the conjoining together these two important sources of gain. The country, possessing rivers navigable a considerable way into the interior, and being abundantly supplied with streams of water, every facility is presented for erecting at a very moderate expense. Sawmills in the center, as it were, of the immense pine forests so plentifully interspersed all over the country, while at the same time the rafts of preparated lumber and other more valuable timber as might be ready for exportation could, with the greatest ease imaginable, be floated down to the shipping port or eventually put immediately on board. Traders usually employed in navigating the Gulf of Mexico and Caribbean Sea. A very moderate capital in the hands of an intelligent and industrious person is adequate to such an undertaking, which of itself would be a sufficient foundation for more extensive operations, leading in the end to affluence and prosperity. And if combined, as it might easily be with the raising of stock, growing of Indian corn, etc., a very rapid fortune might be accumulated. The native Indians are well known to be excellent axemen and their labor could be obtained for very moderate wages, the greater part of which would be paid in trifling articles of European manufacture or produce, which could be purchased or imported for very little money. In addition to the sawmills, which are now about being erected, and to those above mentioned, the construction of a few powerful steam sawmills in the vicinity of the principal shipping ports for the purpose of preparing timber of every description not only for foreign markets, but also for sale to the settlers, and for shipbuilding, would undoubtedly, under a proper management, yield an immense return to any commercial company of sufficient capital for the undertaking. And, as such establishments would contribute to the general prosperity of the state, there is no doubt, on these persons becoming to a certain extent interested in the soil, the government of Poyais would give them every possible facility and encouragement. Although the demand for the markets of Europe and for the use of the settlers will undoubtedly be considerable, it is by exporting to the West India Islands, as already stated, that the merchant must in the first instance look for a steady demand and ready market for every description of lumber and provisions. The soil and climate being so well adapted for the production of Indian corn, which can be raised at three different periods within the year, it will perhaps be the interest of the early settler to pay immediate attention to the extensive growth of this article. And when this valuable commodity, together with rice, peas, and other pulse, is fully cultivated, when the immense savannas or plains are stocked with the numerous herds of cattle, which they are capable of rearing, and when proper establishments are formed for curing provisions, 
and fish for exportation, it may be hoped that the assertion made some years ago in the British Parliament that the produce of the soil of the United States was necessary to the existence of the British West Indies can no longer be repeated with the least appearance of truth, a circumstance devoutly to be wished by every person interested in the welfare of Great Britain. Although these matters are unquestionably of vital importance in the first instance, it is not to them alone that the intelligent settler in Poyais must in the end look for remuneration or to increase the value of his property. Neither must the commercial man consider them the only commodities which are of importance to him. On the contrary, the soil and climate being well adapted for the cultivation of all and each of those valuable commercial articles which have rendered the West Indies so important, there is no doubt that the agriculturalist will, while he pursues the objects pointed out for more immediate attention, keep steadily in view and gradually adopt to a certain extent the culture of the valuable articles alluded to, more especially coffee, cotton, tobacco, cocoa, etc. And although the cultivation of the sugar cane and the manufacture of sugar and rum will perhaps require a larger capital than it may be in the power of the generality of settlers to advance at the commencement, or that it may be prudent in them to divert at first from the more immediate raising of stock and corn, there is no doubt, as a planter's means increase, he will find it his interest to introduce gradually and slowly, by degrees, the cultivation of those more valuable commercial commodities which constitute the wealth of the West India planter. Some years previous to the removal of the English settlers from Poyais, several sugar plantations had been formed at Black River, and the sugar and rum which they produced was very generally deemed equal to the produce of Jamaica, and Captain Wright, in his memoir, goes so far as to say that, from his own personal knowledge, together with what he had learned by reading and reflecting on the subject, corroborated by many a long and prolix conversation with aged natives, this country, if properly cultivated, would be able to supply the whole world with rum, sugar, coffee, cocoa, and molasses. Although these commodities, when produced for sale, will not at first be considerable in amount, they will no doubt gradually be brought forward for exportation, and they will consequently extend the operations of the merchant, affording him additional materials for an extensive trade with continental Europe and North and South America, and the ready means of paying for the merchandise requisite for the valuable trade mentioned at the commencement of this chapter. It would, perhaps, be premature to speculate upon the consequences to Poyais, which, in a commercial point of view, must inevitably follow the opening of a communication between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. The practicability of such a measure has never been doubted, and that it will ultimately take place through a part of the Mosquito Territory, or in its immediate neighborhood, under its control, seems to be a prevalent opinion. As a commercial depot and otherwise, Poyais will undoubtedly derive incalculable benefit from the commencement and completion of such a measure. The late Act of Parliament for the regulation of the trade between America and the British West Indies gives every requisite facility and encouragement to the commercial operations of Poyais, whether as regards the trade to the British settlements in the West Indies or elsewhere. And as the establishment of free ports in that part of the world by a neutral government and under wise regulations is a matter of such immense advantage to all parties, 
There is no doubt equal facilities will be allowed by the United States and other governments of America and Europe. It will perhaps be the policy of the government and the interest of the merchants of Poyais to encourage as much as possible the employment in the first instance of British-built vessels together with such Americans as may be requisite for the trade with the United States. More especially, as the construction of a sufficient number of vessels for the protection of the coast and neighboring seas from the depredations of piratical vessels and for other purposes, together with the building of small trading craft, may perhaps at first be sufficient employment for the dockyards about to be established. There is no doubt, however, that as the country affords abundant materials of almost every description, shipbuilding will ultimately become a very profitable and important branch of trade. To those persons who, from limited means or otherwise, are obliged in the first instance to confine themselves to a small share of the country trade, the wants of the settlers and natives present a ready market for any quantity of small wares, such as hardware, clothing, etc., of every description, in exchange for which they will receive tortoiseshell gums, dye woods, gold dust, etc., and by care and industry their operations will gradually and quickly increase with their means. In short, it is hoped that considering the extensive trade which may ultimately be carried on with the European colonies in the West Indies, as well as with Great Britain, the United States, Mexico, South America, and continental Europe, the advantages to be derived from the establishment of free ports, especially whenever the navigation of that part of the globe shall be disturbed by belligerence, the relative position, valuable natural productions, fine climate, and internal capabilities of this neglected country. Enough has been said to prove the great encouragement and manifold advantages which must be derived from commercial establishments in the territory of Poyais. And now that the well-known political circumstances are removed, which have hitherto retarded the advancement of this fine country, in civilization and in the scale of independent states, there seems no reason whatever to doubt that, protected by the wise and vigorous administration, sound policy, and comprehensive views of His Highness the Kazik of Poyais, this beautiful country will rapidly advance in prosperity and civilization, and will become, in every point of view, and within a very short period, not the least considerable of those radiant realms beyond the Atlantic wave. End of excerpt from Sketch of the Mosquito Shore by Gregor McGregor Recorded by E.L.D.N.